If you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking at Romans 6, verses 4 through 14. If you don't have a Bible, it's printed there in your bulletin. It's also going to be up here on the screen behind me. Give ear now. This is God's word. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sins or to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This is God's word. Well, already you know what Easter's about, right? Easter is that Jesus rose from the dead. I think the biggest struggle that we have as people both Christians and not. The biggest problem that the world has had from that first Easter morning until now is that we just don't believe it. We struggle to believe that Jesus actually rose. Okay, folks who aren't Christians have trouble believing that the resurrection actually happened. But more than that, Christians have trouble believing what the resurrection means for us. Okay, though many of you believe that Jesus did rise from the dead, when the Bible says that his resurrection from the dead can make a difference in your life, you don't believe it. You want to, but you just don't really think it's true. What's interesting is that this reaction, this reaction where we have a hard time believing the resurrection, is exactly how the people reacted on the first Easter Sunday. In Luke 24, the Bible tells us how the first people reacted to the news of the resurrection. We're going to put some verses up here from Luke 24. They're in your bulletin also. It says, they, the people, they were perplexed about this, about the resurrection. They were frightened. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Then one person marveled at what had happened, and their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's Jesus. 
And so if your reaction to the resurrection, even today, right now, as you think about Jesus rising from the dead, if your reaction is anything like the reaction of the first folks who heard about the resurrection, then you are who the Bible was written for. It was written for you. The resurrection speaks to every problem that we have. Okay, it is the most important thing about Christianity. In fact, I go so far as to say it is the only important thing about Christianity. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there is no reason to listen to anything that the church has to say, anything that the Bible has to say, anything that Christians have to say. Our lives are less than what they could be when we don't believe in the resurrection. And so today we're going to focus on understanding the resurrection. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about what the resurrection means so that we can believe it and experience it in our lives. Okay? And so we're going to see this in three points. If you want to take notes, you can do it on page 7 there in your bulletin. Three things. We're going to see first what the resurrection meant for Jesus. Second, what it means for us. And then third, how the resurrection changes us. Okay, so what it meant for Jesus, what it means for us, and how it changes us. That's what we're going to look at today. So first, what the resurrection meant for Jesus. This is really verses 9 and 10. Paul says there, he says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. What did the resurrection mean for Jesus? It meant that he passed from this life into the next. Okay? He passed from this life into the next. You have to be clear on this. I want to be abundantly clear. The resurrection didn't mean that Jesus simply came back to the life that he had before he was crucified. Okay? The idea of Jesus coming back from the grave is a little bit misleading. Okay? But it it sounds more like that the patient on the, on the table in the emergency room who flatlines, right? That's not what it was like for Jesus. Jesus wasn't flatlining and God with spiritual defibrillator pumps, you know, brought him back to life so that he came back and was alive again. Okay, that's not what it was for Jesus. Okay, resurrection for Jesus meant that he passed through death and out the other side. Okay, he didn't return to life as he knew it before he died. He didn't return to this life that we experience. He passed through the tunnel of death and came out on the other side. Okay, this wasn't allegorical. It wasn't a metaphor. He literally passed through death and came out and was physically alive beyond the grave. Okay, there were a number of folks in the Bible who were brought back to life. They died and then were brought back and they lived for a while longer in a normal earthly existence and then they died later. That's not what happened for Jesus. Jesus passed through death and came out the other side. And so resurrection for Jesus, what these two verses teach us is that he had a life. Resurrection for him was he received a life that was beyond the grave. Okay, it means it was a life free from suffering and hardship. That's what he got. A life that was free from temptation or any of the brokenness of this life. Okay, it was a life free from the power of death. That's what resurrection meant for him. 
and the notion here, you connect this, you've got to connect the miracle of Easter with the miracle of Christmas, right? God cared so much about human suffering that he came himself to do battle with it. He came himself. Jesus came as God in the flesh at Christmas so that he could do battle with the brokenness of the world. He came into this world that is full of sin and death, right? It's full of a lot of other things too, but this world is full of brokenness, of problems, of suffering, of angst. And Jesus did battle with sin and death head on when he went to the cross. On the cross, Jesus took all of the power of sin, all of the evil in the world, all of the punishment that was due for our sins. He experienced the suffering that our sins deserved in his death. And his resurrection means that he conquered it. Just like David with Goliath, right? David goes up to the giant Goliath that nobody as part of Israel could stand against. And David defeats him and the whole nation of Israel goes free. So Jesus took on not just, not just one sin, but all the sins of the world. He took on your sin and he defeated it. And his resurrection means, his resurrection is God's statement that he was victorious. And so he passes out of this life of sin and death into a life of perfection, a life beyond the reach of death. Jesus now lives in the realm of God's righteousness, no longer in this realm of sin and death. Okay, and that life that Jesus lives is forever. We talk about eternal life, right? Eternal life is a description of its length. You know, it never ends. Jesus is never, ever going to suffer again. He's never, ever going to experience. um, And his, his bliss, his blessings will go on forever. But eternal life also describes the quality of life. Okay, not just the duration, but the quality of life. Eternal life meant perfect freedom and joy. That's what Jesus inherited. That's what he receives at the resurrection. The problems of this life have been solved for Jesus. Okay, he has passed through. He has overcome. His test is over and he passed. And so the resurrection of Jesus, it's not about a new religion. Okay, it's not about, it's about a new reality for Jesus. Okay, that's what it meant. And this reality that Jesus experiences invites us to believe. Because as Jesus experiences this, just like Jackie said, he turns around and offers, he invites us to join him in his resurrection. Jesus has shown that he is the leader who can fix what is broken and make all things new. Have you ever thought about this? Have you understood that this is what the resurrection meant for Jesus? That he has conquered death and is now more powerful than the things that are broken in this world. Jesus is more powerful than the things that are broken in your life. This is what it meant. So that's our first point. What the, what the resurrection meant for him. Our second point is what the resurrection means for us. And this is verses 6 through 8. And I got to tell you, this, these verses are some of the most life-changing truths in the whole Bible. I think in my own experience of walking with Jesus for close to 20 years, nothing has changed me more 
than verses 6 through 8 in this passage. The hard part is that these are also some of the most difficult verses to believe. Okay? Paul says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that when you believe in Jesus, your old self died with him. Okay? What's your old self? Well, your old self is the part of you that lives apart from God. Okay, that's the part of you that seeks its own way, that disregards the feelings and the thoughts of others. That's your old self. It's also, you know, it's the self that brings you shame. It's the self that you like to hide when you're in public. Um, It's also the self, though, that tries to fix yourself without coming to God. Okay, sometimes our efforts at Reformation can be an effort to avoid God. If God says, I'm the one who can bring healing into your life, sometimes we reject God by trying to fix ourselves, right? God, I don't need you because I can do it on my own. That's part of your old self, okay? Well, Paul says here that that self died when Christ died so that you would not be controlled by sin anymore. It's just what the verses say. And it's more. Then Paul says, you've been raised from the dead. And so here's the image. Paul is saying, if you have been joined to Christ in his death, then wherever Jesus goes, you go with him. And if he has been raised from the dead, then you too are brought through death with him into resurrection. And so the transfer that Jesus experienced from this world of sin and brokenness into the realm of God's righteousness, when you believe in him, you also begin to experience that same transfer. Paul says somewhere else that you've been brought, he says in Ephesians 2, 4, he says, but God made us alive together with Christ. And then Ephesians 2, 6, he says, and he has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. And so this transfer is a reality. It's part of the good news. It's part of the resurrection. If you are connected to Jesus, then understanding and believing in his resurrection means and leads to your personal resurrection. Okay? If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he was raised from the dead, then as far as God is concerned, you have experienced a personal resurrection. Your old self has died and you have been raised up again. You've been raised. This is going to happen literally in the future. For those who believe in Jesus, you will experience a physical resurrection as physical as Jesus' resurrection was and a perfect inheritance of all of the blessings that Jesus is experiencing right now. But today, metaphorically, you are already raised from the dead. You have a new heart. You have new, a new mind. You are new creatures in him. Amen. Amen. I mean, this is good news. And I'll tell you what, I spent a number of years in my Christian life and I never knew this. I remember reading this going, really? 
Really? I mean, I knew Jesus died for my sins. I'd heard that over and over and over and over and over and over again, but I had no idea that I'd been raised with him. I thought that God just kept wiping my chalkboard clean every time, you know? I had no idea that God actually had made me united to the resurrection of Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that is what these verses are teaching. So what does this look like when you experience this resurrection inside? What does it look like? Well, your life begins to heal from the inside. Okay, there's a calming assurance that Jesus actually loves and cares for you. I mean, that brings peace. It brings a sense of comfort and assurance because now God is your father. When you believe that, when you understand that, that affects how you think, how you feel. You know, and then you get a sense that ultimately things are going to be okay. You have this assurance that the future, the ultimate future is going to work out. And so that makes it easier to manage and cope with the things that don't work out in this life. That's a powerful demonstration. If you've experienced that, then that's part of experiencing this resurrection from the dead. That's part of your experiencing your personal resurrection with Jesus. And then you begin to sense a new love in your heart, right? There's a new love for God. There's a new love for other people. There's a sense to where it's easier to forgive. You know, there's a sense to where... um, you care about people in ways that you didn't before. And I'll tell you what, I know that there are a bunch of you here today who have believed in the resurrection of Jesus and you've been experiencing some of these things that I'm describing, but you didn't know that what you were doing was experiencing the resurrection of Jesus, right? I mean, you had had this experience, you just didn't know. It's like in our discipleship plan, we talk about love being knowing, being, and doing. Many of you have experienced the being part of this. You have experienced this resurrection with Jesus. You just didn't know what you were experiencing. You you didn't know how to describe it. Paul is saying that when you believe, you are raised with Christ. You're no longer enslaved to sin. And you get this sense of joy. I mean, you're happy because you know Jesus. And you actually want to tell other people about it, the joy that you have inside. I mean, that's how we experience this. These are the experiences that we have as we are in union with Christ, as we trust in him. This is kind of interesting, this transfer from the old self to the new self. I had a friend of mine who, he wrote this in his Facebook this week. He said this, he said, I like Mac better than Windows. I just can't seem to find my my way around. I've built PCs for about 10 years And it's just so hard to go from an environment where I'm insanely familiar to a Mac where I feel like I'm in a foreign country and have a vocabulary of about 10 words or less. If you've tried to make the switch from, from PC to Mac or Mac to PC, you know what that's like, right? Things that were familiar to you before, all of a sudden you think, wow, this is just a totally new environment. I don't exactly know how this works. We have to understand this identity. We need to understand that we are in a new environment when we believe in Jesus. It's not just that God wipes away our sins and leaves us there to sort of figure it out on our own. God actually raises us up from the dead. He gives us a new identity. He changes everything about us. And as we understand that, 
it becomes more of a reality in our lives. As you understand the new culture that you're in, this new country that you are now living in, this new self, you will see more and more of the new self worked out. You'll experience more of it in your life. Now, how exactly does this work? I mean, how is it that God can do this thing? <clears throat> really bad joke. You know, the, 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 the joke, why the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side, right? You've heard that. Why'd the baby cross the road? Anybody know? He was stapled to the chicken. Okay, you've heard that before? It's graphic, I know. But the image here fits. What God does is he connects us to Jesus so that whatever happens to Jesus happens to us. He died, and then we died with him. He rose, and we rise with him. We are connected to Jesus, and the way this works is because of a a short phrase in verse 10. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Once for all. That's how we get into this. That's how we get in on this deal. This is what it meant for Jesus to be the Christ. Okay, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ was a title. You ever wonder what it means? Christ was a title. It meant Messiah. It meant anointed one, one who has the spirit. Okay, and the word, the title Messiah meant a representative of his people. The Messiah was called to come and represent his people. And so what is true of him is true of those he represents. And so Jesus, as the Christ, he died once for all. He died once for all. He died so that in his death, he represented us, so that God counts us as though we have died. And in his resurrection, God then counts us as those who have been raised from the dead. Okay, and this is a reality for anyone who believes in Jesus. So Jesus escaped. He passes through. He goes from this life to the next, and you can go with him. The trail that leads is the cross. If you come to Jesus at the cross, he can lead you through to this resurrection life. What does that mean? It just means believing in him, believing that his death, in his death, he died for you. When you believe that, when you confess your sins and say, God, I have lived for too long apart from you. I'm coming now to the cross so that Jesus might be my forgiveness. I'm trusting in his death for me and his resurrection. When you do that, you will experience this resurrection. So that's our second point, what the resurrection means for us. Third, let's just talk a little bit more in detail about how does this change us? How does the resurrection actually change us practically? This is verses 11 to 14. Um, And I just want to stop here for a second and say, like, why is this so hard for us to believe? You you think about it. It should be, well, here it is in the Bible. Paul's really clear that if you believe in Jesus, you died and you're raised from the dead. So why is it hard for us? to believe that that's really true. I I think, first of all, it seems strange. 
just kind of an odd concept to wrap your mind around. But then I think also, if we're honest, we see ourselves as Christians not acting like our old self is really dead. Right? You read verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You read that and you think, well, did you see how I acted at work this week? Did you see how I treated my spouse? You know, we think, well, the old self must not really be dead. Paul must just be making some other point that I don't understand. Right? That's how we feel, isn't it? It's hard to believe this, especially when we look at the body of work that comes from us uh, each week, each day. I think our biggest problem here and the, the, the key to making this work is to realize that we're just like Tarzan. Okay? We're just like Tarzan. We've got a zip line in the back. You can, afterwards, you can, no. Um, Tarzan of the Apes, the book, not the movies. Okay? Um, Tarzan, the story goes, he's separated from his parents when he's a year old and he's raised by a community of apes. Okay? He grows up believing that he is an ape. And so he acts like an ape. He talks like an ape. He lives like an ape. But he's not an ape. Okay? He was human, but he didn't know it. And so his life looked as though he wasn't human. You know, in terms of the things he did. I think Tarzan is a picture of so many Christians today. So many people. We are, we are separated from God. You know, our Heavenly Father. And we're raised by a culture that keeps us from understanding these truths. We are part of a culture that tries to convince us for every minute you spend reading the Bible, right? How many hours do you spend listening to a culture that tells you something that, that's radically different? You know, and so even after we become Christians, we keep falling short because we don't understand Back to the main point, we don't believe in the resurrection, okay? And what I mean there is we might believe Jesus rose from the dead, but we don't believe in what it means for us, right? Paul is saying, if you believe these things are true, and we struggle to believe these things. And so the answer, how do we fix this? Look what Paul says in verse 11. This is the first command that he has given in the entire book of Romans up to this point. Paul says in verse 11, so... Right, let me conclude. Here's the payoff. Here's how you put it into practice. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. The thing that God wants you to do more than anything else, right? How many of you think that Christianity is all about rules? It's all about do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. The one command that God thinks is more important than any other command in the whole Bible is right here. Consider. Consider. This is actually a financial accounting term. Okay? It can also be translated reckon yourself, right? He says consider yourself, can be reckon yourself. Let's talk about finances. Okay, your personal finances. You reckon your financial situation when you do your finances. You balance your checkbook, right? End of the month. You're working, you're, you're collecting the bills, you're looking online, you're doing quick in, whatever it is that you do. 
you are considering your finances when you figure out where you stand, right? You're taking all the things that went out, all the things that have come in, you put them together, you see what you get. You're considering your financial situation. Now, considering doesn't create something that's not there, right? When you do your finances, you're not creating money. You know, boy, wouldn't that be a miracle? Resurrection in my pocketbook, come on. Um, considering learns what is already there, right? You follow? When I add up the money in the bank account, that doesn't create money. It just informs me of what's already there so that I can act accordingly, okay? The only difference after I do my considering is that my mind is now aware of the things that actually are, okay? You get it. You get it. And until you add it up, though, you have some uncertainty, right? You don't really know where you stand. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying, spiritually speaking, in verse 11, do the math. Okay? Consider yourselves. And again, what are the facts? Well, it's a repetition, actually. He just repeats what he says in verses 6 through 8. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Okay, again, he's not telling you to make that a reality. He's telling you to believe that that is the reality. Do you understand that? Paul is saying that there is truth about who you are if you believe in Jesus. And then in verse 11, he says, I want you to believe that that's true. Okay, I want you to believe that that's true. And it's interesting, all of the commandments in Scripture are God telling you to be what you already are. Okay, we see it clearly. Paul says in verse 6, Our old self was crucified with him. Verse 11, Therefore consider yourselves dead to sin. Okay, he's saying believe what is true about you. Do an accurate spiritual accounting of your life. And what is true is that if you believe in Jesus, you are dead to sin. Your old self is dead and you've been raised from the dead. One author said this, it's often hard to believe the results of the calculation, but faith at this point consists not of shutting your eyes and trying to believe the impossible, but of opening your eyes to the reality of Jesus and his death and resurrection for you. And that's it. So how exactly, again, does this work itself out? Well, for Tarzan, there were two things that made him become the human that he was. The first was that he found a book. He found a book. And what initially appeared to him as bugs crawling across white leaves became words and pictures. He actually learned how to read. And his mind was kindled and he realized and his, his transformation began to exponentially increase because he realized he could learn. He realized he had an intellect. He realized he, he learned from the books themselves. You know, we also have a book. I mean, the reason that you read the Bible is because it is filled with spiritual accounting. That sounds boring, doesn't it? Um, not the right way to go. This book, we're just looking at 11 verses that tell you who you are, that tell you the blessings that God holds out if you believe in Jesus. 
This year, 11 verses in a book of 16 chapters in a larger book of 66 books, right? This whole book will teach you who you are. It'll teach you more about why life is the way it is. It teaches you about yourself. It teaches you about Jesus. It teaches you about the world that we live in. It teaches you about everything, anything that you can want to know. Any question that you have, you can bring and find answers. And as you learn more about yourself, your transformation will exponentially flourish. That's why we read the Bible. It's not because we have to. It's because how else are we going to learn about ourselves? How else are we going to learn about Jesus and the faith and the transformation that comes to us? But through the book. Well, the other thing that happened to Tarzan was that he met other human beings. He met other human beings. And that validated his feelings, right? It gave him a sense of assurance that he wasn't crazy, that all the differences now made sense between him and the apes that he grew up with. And the relationships further transformed who he was. Same thing for us today. When we spend time with other people who have experienced this resurrection with Jesus, when we talk to them, we tell them about our experience, we hear their experience. As we do that, it makes more and more sense to us and we experience that resurrection personally. This is why we're here in some ways, to worship Jesus, but to love each other as a family. And so with these things, with the book, with relationships, God then sends us out. He says, now go live out this resurrection. Go put this into practice. So if you're a Christian here today, are there areas of your life where you don't see this resurrection happening? Where you still feel very much like your old self is alive and the new self is nowhere to be found? Are there relationships where you really do still feel enslaved to sin? You don't feel the freedom. Are there situations at work, at home, in the community? You need to bring Jesus into those situations. I mean, what you want to do is you want to imagine your old self and your new self, okay? Like literally picture in your mind, what does your old self look like in the situation? What would the new self look like in that situation? And if it helps, what would Jesus do in that situation, right? He's a real good window in terms of what the new self might look like, okay? You get a picture of the new self and the old self in that relationship, in that situation, and whatever it is. And then remember these verses. Old self, you were crucified with Christ. New self, you have come I have been raised to to, to become you, this new self, in the resurrection of Jesus. As certain as his resurrection was, so I too have been raised, and I am this new self. When you rehearse that, you will feel the love, the energy, the power of God fill your heart. And you will be that new self. That's how you put it into practice. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to try this out. God says, test and see that I am good. He says, try me and see if I am not real. 
And so if you're not a Christian at this point, here's what I'd offer you to do. Maybe you're not ready to put all of your life under Jesus' authority. Maybe you're not willing to trust him with everything in your life. What about one area? Is there one area of your life where you are willing to admit at this point that you're really not acting the way you should, or you're not the person that you'd like to be? I would invite you to invite Jesus into that area of your life. To say to Jesus, Jesus, I am, just to be honest, I'm not ready to give you my whole life, but I would like to understand more about how having you in my life works. And so Jesus, will you come into this one area? Help me. Don't do it for me in the sense of, I mean, Jesus isn't a genie. But the way this works is that you need to say, Jesus, I will do what you want in this area of my life. I will submit to your authority, right? I will trust that it's possible that your death was for me and that your resurrection was for me. Will you come into this part of my life and show me how to be the new self? You try that out and see what Jesus does. Now, the one catch here to make this work is that you have to do this with someone else who knows Jesus, okay? Because as you go through this, you're going to need someone there who's walking with Jesus, who's experienced this resurrection and can help you understand it, right? Can help interpret it because um, when Jesus comes in, yeah, I mean, some t- it's just, you need to do it with somebody else, okay? You're going to need the encouragement, the support um, from someone else who's experienced this resurrection already. So that's, I mean, really, that's how it changes us. We believe it, right? We take a spiritual accounting and we put it into practice. Let me close with this. Um, Generate Hope is a ministry that has been birthed out of harbor um, for women who are caught in the sex trafficking industry. And it gives them, it's a long-term program that gets them off the streets, out of prostitution, and it gives them the job training, the education, the skills they need to enter back into society, Okay. There have been a number of of women who have become part of that program, and I want to just tell you a little bit about two of them. The first woman who came to the program, she didn't just find an escape from her old life. She actually found Jesus. And being part of this, this Generate Hope ministry, she came into contact with Jesus, and when she realized that it wasn't just earthly hope that was being offered, but spiritual hope eternal hope she said i'm in and her life is being transformed she's experiencing this resurrection uh, because uh, of her participation at generate hope the second woman i want to tell you about also came into the program but she left she left after a pretty short period of time because she got contacted from someone who was part of her past. And that person in her past called her back. Called her back into relationships, into the scenario that she came out of. And for her, she didn't believe that she was different. She wasn't able to say, you know what, that's who I was, but no longer. And so she has gone back and she's left the program. We hope that she will return at some point in the future. We know that sometimes to really make that long-term change, 
takes a few tries to get it right. There's always that call, and I know. I mean, in my own life, there are things that are calling me back to my old ways. There are scenarios, there are temptations in my own life that feel like that siren call. And and part of the lie that those temptations offer us is they say, look, who are you trying to fool? You're no different. You're the same person that you were. You just talk about Jesus now. But in your heart, you're the same. If you're experiencing that today, if that call is coming to you, Christian or not, if you feel like you're being called back into a place where you haven't gone, by the authority of God's word, the promise of scripture is that if you believe in Jesus, that old self is dead. When temptation comes knocking, it finds a corpse. You can say, I am no longer this person by the power of Jesus. I have been raised from the dead and I am different. When you preach that gospel to yourself, when you remember that Jesus died for me and rose for me so that I followed him, you will feel the spirit of God come upon you and you'll feel the strength that you need to resist temptation. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being our Christ. Thank you for enduring death and then resurrection for us. You didn't need to do it, but you came because you love us. You came because you want our joy. You want our peace, our, our happiness, our freedom. Jesus, there are people here, both Christian and not, who are not experiencing the freedom, the joy, the peace, and the security that you offer. Touch their hearts and help them to confess the areas of their life where they're living apart from you. Help all of us. Help us all to invite you in and say that we're going to trust you in the areas of life where we know you need to speak. Teach us how we can trust you. I think about your death and resurrection, and for me, I'm all in. You have done so much to deserve my trust, and I pray that you would show that faithfulness, that trustworthiness, so that others, that many here today, can put their trust in you as well. And we will give you all the, all the praise, all the glory. In your name, amen.